We want to welcome Brianne Agostinelli to the ASA Health Podcast. Brianne has over 15 years of experience studying and working in the world of human behavior, connection, and potential. She holds a Bachelor's of Science from Slippery Rock University, a Cornell University Psychology of Leadership certification, and spent 10 years with Cigna Insurance as a human resources organizational development consultant and wellness coach. Brianne is currently an entrepreneur residing in Pennsylvania, working as an executive coach and wellness practitioner with individuals that want to develop their leadership skills. Brianne believes each individual has the potential to honor who they are, have what they want, and live a meaningful life when the perfect combination of awareness, alignment, and support is fostered. Her intention is to empower individuals and teams to reach their personal and collective potential. Brianne, we want to welcome you to the ASA Health Podcast. All right, Brianne, how are you doing? I am doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, really well. Yeah, we're doing good. We want to welcome you to the ASA Health Podcast and uh, jump into some cool conversations today. I know me and you met, um, gosh, what, six, seven years ago through Sharon Preet. Um, we all hopped on a Zoom call together and we're talking about life coaching and values and all this interesting stuff. And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> exactly. Time flies, right? It Whether does. you're working on it or not. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of stuff, you know, me and you have talked about in the past that I, I sort of want to dive into today in this call. I know Andy has some questions too, but, you know, first off for the listeners, you know, what got you interested initially with leadership skills and human potential and helping people live better lives? Absolutely. So that is a loaded question. I think all of us have a backstory with it. Um, when I go back, probably my childhood, right? Just seeing what was happening around. I noticed I was an observer, like looking back on my childhood, but at 12 years old, my parents were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer was, I just want to help people, right? Big responsibility. Now I've shortened that a little bit to empowering others to help themselves. But um, my dad fell off our roof when I was 15 and he wow. survived, but a very black and white focused person of like, tell me my path. I'll get there. I'll get it done. I saw physical therapy help him. And it put me on the path to physical therapy, went to school, was ready to go to my PhD. Um, a little bit of fear crept in. And also my dad had brain surgery. So I moved back home and um, I got a job in preventative wellness. So I worked in a medically based wellness center, ran programs for children and families, worked with people ages from seven to 99. And I fell in love with empowering others who were ready, willing, and able, right? Like they, they made the commitment or the focus that they wanted to do something different, but that doesn't answer the question about leadership. And so I remember one of my clients and I love her dearly. And she was like, Brie, I'm doing all of the things, but I'm not seeing the results that I want. And her husband goes, but you're not telling her that you eat M&Ms every time. After <laughs> you leave the gym. And at that point, I was like, I want to have a bigger impact because physical activity is just one part of people's lives. And it's another distractor potentially from like what really matters. And 
I just told one of my clients that didn't know what the universe had in store. And she goes, Cigna hires exercise physiologist. You could be a wellness coach. You should apply. So I applied. And for five years, I was a wellness coach and a coach. And I coached people all over the country on stress management, wellness, et cetera, chronic conditions, and things were common. What do I think of myself? Do I have good relationships? How do I view the world? And do I like my job? Do I have purpose? And then when we made some changes internally, I noticed how the changes positively or negatively impacted the wellness based on how people viewed it and based how they chose to respond. So I kind of five years ago gave myself the opportunity, do I leave Uh or do I try to like figure this out? And Cigna was wonderful and gave me the opportunity to join human resources where I focused on team effectiveness, leadership development, conscious leadership. And I really helped leaders take care of themselves to take care of others, but look at it from a holistic perspective. Um, So that's kind of the path that led me there where my strength and strength finder, the top one is connectedness. So Uh it's a strength and a curse where I'm like, but it's all connected. Like you can't separate it. Uh Uh Most of the work, most of the work you do now, is it one-on-one or is it still in the big group settings? So it's a both. I haven't yet picked my niche. I am being a rebel in that area. Um, So Josh knows this. I stepped out into the world of entrepreneurship. So I can finally say that he's been encouraging, (laughs) inspiring me for years. Yes. Um, (laughs) But I have personal clients, individuals, and then I work for companies and help them individually and their teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What kind of trends, um, Brian, have you seen? Like, you've obviously worked with hundreds, if not thousands of people like that want to try to reorient a portion of their life. Um, you know, what trends have you seen? Um, anything that you can put into like bucket categories with people? There's so many buckets right now, Josh, right? Um, no. I, I think the big one that I, I bucket, right, is just what society determines to be successful and the polar, the disconnect that we have as individuals. Mm -hmm. And so even this last week, I don't know if you both have noticed it with clients, there's a different feeling to new year's, right? Normally people are like, ready to go do it. And I don't think people have realized like, have I filled myself up enough to like really be present in where I'm at right now, but even to look at doing something new. And so honoring the basics, right? Like in wellness, it's like, do you chew your food? Do you eat your food? Do you sleep? But most want to pass go. I think that's in life too. The digital world moves so fast that we're like, oh, we have to move so fast. We have to move fast through our healing. We have to move fast to figure this out. And it's like, can we slow down? Are we even connected to our body? Do we know what we want? Why are we chasing that? And so I think that's what I help people the most is like, I had a session yesterday with a woman. I do some Reiki, which is energy healing. Um, And I do it a little different where I ask people the questions so that they can connect and they know they don't need me to figure out is something trapped in my body is something going on. So I think the biggest answer to that is 
we're disconnected from ourselves. And it's scary when we make that choice to look back in. So can we be compassionate versus the judgment? Because when the judgment comes in, then we're like, we're just going to keep going the path that we were going. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. <laughs> Disconnected. Yeah, I was going to say, is that the starting place then for most people? Would you say that it comes down to um, most people are disconnected from themselves, they need to take a step back and uh, gain some awareness, kind of review their past year, five years, 10 years, whatever. Is that the starting place? Yeah, I think each person might come with a different thing, right? So I go to the wellness part of like, people are like, I want to lose weight. And it's like, but what's that answer? The five whys of diagnostics, yeah. like, let's get to the <laughs> why. I think most people might look in and say, I'm not happy. I'm really tired. I'm exhausted. I'm doing all the right things, but I still don't feel like what I want to feel like. Do I even know what that feels like? And I think if you ask the five whys, it goes to disconnection, but it might surface level of negative self-talk frustrated with my job, frustrated with my family. It might be our projection outwards of what we're frustrated in the external world versus like, what, what can I own? Like, Uh what do I know? What part do I play in this? Uh 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 Do you feel, do you think that there's a, I mean, you just mentioned that that's what a lot of people deal with is maybe being, um, uh, dissatisfied with their job, dissatisfied, you know, not feeling generally happy. So maybe that's why they're seeking you out. Do you think that that kind of attitude, just general dissatisfaction with life, is that kind of on a rise lately in like, let's say the last five, 10, 20 years? And would yeah. you have a reason for that? Do you think you know why that's on the rise or is it not on the rise? I think it's on the rise. I'm excited it's on the rise, right? Like I've learned in my life to welcome the contrast because it tells us like we want something different. Um, But I think COVID gave people the chance to be with themselves, right? Um, So it was already happening. You saw the memes that said, let's get back to normal. And I'm like, normal might not have been so serving, right? Like yeah, let's we said it. the same thing. Yep. <laughs> we said the same thing. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think it gave you that like forced isolation where a lot of people run really fast. They think that's their bias. They think that's what's good for them. But when they slowed down, like, could they sit in that space? Could they sit with the people around them? Were they really satisfied or were they like, is this what life is? So I think it gave us all that look in the mirror to say, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I I heard that from so many people, Brianne, we talked about this at the gym, like when they did the lockdowns and people were forced to stay home, remote work learning, they actually saw their kids and their spouse, right? Like we heard it from so many people that they said, we don't want it to go back to normal. Like we like life with less responsibilities and it's slower and less stressful. And like, I'm eating healthier because I'm home and I can cook more. Like we heard this from a lot of people and I really was optimistic and still am. I don't know if it'll happen, but that a lot of light bulbs went off during that time period. You saw that too. Yeah. And I think there's so many light bulbs that went off, but I think it goes to, I had something happen to me today, right? Like I'll just be transparent. Josh, you know me, I backed into my garage 
door because I wasn't going slow enough in life. I thought it was, <laughs> it was not. Um, and it gave me a chance to check in and go like, how do I want to respond? It's not going to sweat. It'll get figured out. And it did. It was easy. Mm-hmm. But then some things that happened after of I've spent a year of deep healing and really looking at who I am personally too in the shift of the world. And a conversation came up and I'm like, of course this would, right? Like when I shift my domino, the world doesn't get to say, oh, that feels great, right? There's this contrast. And I think a lot of people might have had the light bulb. I want something different, but the world doesn't change yet. So do people have the tools to handle that contrast of, oh, my partner might not be happy that I want to quit my job or my partner might want to be quit my their job. And I, now I'm feeling this nervous and I haven't felt feelings like this before. So I think it's the both end of, yes, we're changing, but that doesn't mean it always feels good either. And I think a lot of people are in this gray area right now. They were here. They sort of want to go here, but they're in this middle ground. And that is hard. It's scary. It's confusing, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I can feel it like with the amount of job openings out there, right? Like people aren't going back saying, I'm going to work for minimum wage and two weeks of vacation, you know, like there's so many changes going on, but I think it's because a lot of people, not that they're lazy by any means, I don't think, but I think they're calculating things differently this time around. And, you know, we were talking before you hopped on the call, um, you know, Ricky was saying that, you know, Planet Fitness, YMCA's, the gyms are dead right now. Like, and this is New Year's and we, you know, have not seen that. It's always packed, right? Like the New Year's resolution group, um, but it's dead. And I just think that's all part of being in that gray area. You know, you mentioned being disconnected. Maybe health isn't a priority. They're confused on where they're going. Like, it's an interesting time for sure. Absolutely. Well, and I think too, what we define as wellness, right? So even for me, I didn't rejoin a gym until two weeks ago because I was outside as much as I could be. And I have a gym at home, but I'm like, I'm going to be in my woods over that. I want the fresh air. I want the cold air, like hitting me. Um, so it might be that, but I also think I, um, when I started my healing journey, right? Like I was like, I do all the things I eat, right. I work out, right. But my body still feels exhausted. And it's like, Uh but do you really allow yourself to rest, slow down and feel what your body is releasing? Uh And so sometimes I think it's, do we allow people just to be? And I think that might be where people are forced to be right now, where it's yes. like, tired. I can't wake up. And I remember the best mentor I had, she goes, I go, I just want to sleep in. And she's like, that's your body healing. You should like, anytime you want to sleep, just go sleep. And I'm like, that's counterintuitive to what productivity means. And so I think we're people are challenging their beliefs of what they built their life on. And they're like, oh, this isn't right. So there might be like, do I want to just believe it's right and stay here? Or do I step into the gray of the unknown of, I don't know what I believe right now. 
You know, you keep going back to, it seems a big part of what you help people with is trying to encourage them to slow down and reflect and kind of be able to be in the moment and be, you know, quiet, um, which a lot of people have a hard time doing. Do you find that uh, you've mentioned like the productivity culture and stuff, everyone, you know, there's like a rat race culture. So that's part of the problem. Uh Is there also like an issue with social media and all that kind of stuff? I mean, we're also plugged in these days that I find that people have a very hard time being quiet because there's always a distraction right at your fingertips, you know, with the phone and everything. Is this a big challenge that your clients face and you have to help them work through? Yeah. And I think why I'm so good at it, I was one of them, right? Like my best friend gave me a book, Mindfulness in Plain English, which is one of my favorite books. I've read that several times. Really? I've never heard of that. I've got it on my bookshelf, Josh. I'll bring it to the gym for you. Yes, please do. (laughs) And then there's a a sequel to it too. Um, I think it's like Beyond Mindfulness in Plain English or something where he goes even further. But yeah, great book. I haven't read the second one, but thank you. But I think with it is what society, what your job, what others see. So if you're slowing down, like, can you just be and feel worthy? Right. Or do you feel that like you have to prove or do something? And so to your point, I think social media, you see people hustling, having side cultures, you see people doing all of the things with their children. So can you notice the feelings that like rise up guilt, shame, comparison, jealousy, enviness, um, judgment, where you're like, I wouldn't do that. And then go, oh, are those mine? Like, what are they telling me? Do I need to do anything with it? I think we've disconnected. I had a client one time, it was interesting. Her family was saying, when you're with us, you're on your phone all of the time. But when we really pulled it back, she was on her phone when the conversation got to a place where she didn't want to be. So it was like, a literal block of like, I'm disconnecting from this energy and this is a way I can escape. So I think we've created so many healthy escapes or normal escapes that it doesn't look like the other ones where you're like, oh, you drink too much or, oh, you smoke. That's not good. If you're on your phone 10 hours a day, it's like, wow. I might not tell anybody I'm on 10 hours a day, but that's a lot. It's a distractor from the reality. And why am I distract? Why am I distracting myself? Yeah, you said something right there that resonated really uh, quite a bit with me with like, can we slow down and still feel worthy? Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty powerful because we've been told all the way through grade school and into the workforce now that to do more, 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 buy more, 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 accomplish more, more, more. And I fall into that category. I'm a, I push hard, but I find that when I'm not pushing, slowing down and what I would define as like not accomplishing is hard because you do start to get those thoughts that you were just describing those characteristics. And so, and that's just learned behavior. There's nothing wrong with being quiet or slowing down or having a few months where you're relooking at things like, but I'll tell you, and I'm speaking only for myself, but and a lot of our clients, but getting into that mental arena of just being okay with being, um, that's hard. (laughs) Yeah. I think probably people have to realize that there's value to that 
um, you know, like you said, you feel guilty when you slow down a little bit because we're, we're pushed to always be productive or whatever, but maybe you need to teach people that there's actually, that's not something to feel guilty about. It's something to, you're doing something good for yourself there. That's actually a very productive thing to do, even though you're not doing anything in the eyes of the world or the workforce or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think Josh, it's so true, right? When you sit with it, you're like, oh, this is hard. Right. And uh-huh. sometimes our words carry vibrations too, where we're like, this is hard. And it's like, it's different. Like this is a different way of viewing. And can I sit in the difference of, I'll speak for myself, right? quit my job. And people are like, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, first, I'm going to get well rested. And then I'm going to play and pick what I want to focus on. And people are like, so you're not going to do anything. And I'm like, and I would notice how I wanted to respond, right? Like a part of me was like, yes, I'm doing stuff. Um, But I'm like, no, I'm going to rest. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be really intentional with my choices. And to watch how others respond, I see where it's easy for people to fall back in doubt. Are they on the right path? And so I think it's that it's a, it's working a new muscle of I'm changing beliefs and not everything around me is changing. And so how do I fit in the, the Reiki principles are I'll honor my truth, but I'll honor your truth. Uh Uh And it's, that's easy. You're like, yeah, Josh, do your thing. But then when Josh doesn't agree with your thing, you're like, wait, you're not honoring my truth. And you're like, but that's your truth. So I have to honor that you don't honor my truth. Right. Like it's mind games that you're like, did we just go down another rabbit hole? And the Mm -hmm. answer is like, yes. We want to thank Suttmeyer Law Firm for being a podcast show sponsor. Suttmeyer Law Firm has worked with numerous clients within our community for years, and they couldn't come more highly recommended. They offer legal advice and representation for a range of residential and commercial real estate law issues. Are you buying a house, refinancing, having mortgage problems, or contract disputes? The team at Suttmeyer Law Firm can guide you through these processes. As a special offer to our listeners, they are offering a free consultation when you mention the A is A Health Podcast. Visit their website at suttmeyerlaw.com or call 315-363-7777. Well, and, and that question that person asked you when you told them what you were going to do for the first few weeks or a month after quitting your job is sort of an indication of how low self-care is as a priority for that person. Like everything that you described with resting and, you know, reloading, like that's self-care. That's like really good. So then you can be the optimal version of yourself. And they just sort of skimmed over that like you're doing nothing, you know, um, and that's a shame. You know, and I think that that's how the majority of people would view that. Like if I said I was going to go to Costa Rica for a month, you know, fill up on vitamin D and go for walks and heal my body and my mind, like I think 90% of people would think that that's just a vacation that's selfish and that you're not working yourself to death. I think people would think that, you know. And how many people though do say like when I'm walking, when I'm biking is when I get my best ideas and like, Uh can we connect? It's the space away. It's the uh, ability to allow yourself to play. And I think the one thing um, you said about the slowing down Cal Cease, have you heard of him? He's like a comedian turned life coach. He's hilarious. Oh, Kyle Cease. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. I followed him back when he was doing all his like, life coaching videos on YouTube, like maybe five or six years ago. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And always with the humor thrown in too. 
Yeah. Uh, Josh, he reminds me of like a JP Sears, what JP Sears used to do with his like life coaching and comedy stuff. Really? So yep. who is it? Kyle who? It's, it's spelled C-E-A-S-E, I believe. Yeah. Kyle Cease. Her. Okay, cool. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> but he he said one time, people go, you meditate for two hours? I think he committed for a year maybe to meditate two hours a day. And he goes, don't you have more important things to do? And he's like, you sit at an eight hour job that you hate, like this is more important, right? So it's just that reframe of what's important for everybody, but also the purpose. And so I think what helped me leave my company when I finally made the choice, right, was my purpose has always been like, God put me on this earth, like whoever's in front of me is who I'm supposed to be. And so that might be a stranger at the coffee shop or that might be it. So I'm not tied to where my income's coming in, but I think a lot of people identify at work. And so I've even sat in this space of, it's almost like a mini retirement that I'm taking, right? Like I'm sitting here, I don't have those responsibilities and I can imagine what a lot of people that are retiring right now might not feel like, or might feel like if they haven't done that inner work to know their worth stands outside of them being a doer. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a great point. Cause I find so many retirees struggle in retirement mm-hmm. because they haven't done that self work of, you know, finding their chief aim in life and purpose and all of that. Cause they've been told what to do for 40 years in a career of an eight to five with their vacation. And that's this structure. And then you get rid of all that. Um, and there's actually a study out that uh, it's a, something to do along with heart attacks and such a high rate in your first year of retirement because you lo- you become lonely and your peer group changes and all of that changes and you haven't r- filled that space with something else. And so you get sick. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what made me think of that, but yeah, that's uh so yeah, you're in a mini retirement now. <laughs> exactly. But to experience and feel it, I can empathize and go, oh wow. Like I could imagine that shift of like you wake up and maybe you worked 70 hours a week and now you don't. Um uh-huh. and I think the other point that you said before about the disconnect that I've learned is how many times do we abandon ourselves to take care of something else, whether it's work or others. And then when you retire, right, you're like, I sacrificed Mm -hmm. to give everything to this company. And maybe I didn't get what I thought I did, or now I can retire, but my body is worn out. I don't know how to take care of it. I don't know what I want. I don't know what fun is anymore. And it's like, oh, I gave myself the short end of the straw. And so I think that's where people are kind of at in all stages, but especially that too of, wow, how many times do you say yes when you want to say no? Mm -hmm. Like I had a coach tell me that. And I remember this was a couple of years ago. They're like, for a week, only say yes to what you want to do. And I'm like, can you give me another (laughs) assignment? Like, it sounds terrible. I'm like, I'll do nothing because I feel like I just should do it. I'm easygoing. That week changed my life. Wow. Wow. I encourage anybody do a day of like, only say yes to what you want to say yes. Wow. Yeah, man, that would be, uh, 
that would be interesting for a lot of people, you know. Is like, I'm going to Costa Rica tomorrow. <laughs> I would say no to more things for sure. But yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, and do you want to add anything to that or that's. Well, I was just thinking to that about uh, how difficult that would be for a lot of people, because there are a lot of things we have to do in life um, that mm-hmm. we would rather not do. So that's kind of a, it's a difficult challenge to, um, to say no to the things that you don't want to do, but also know which things you can't say no to. Cause I mean, I don't want to pay my bills, but I probably better, <laughs> you know, so there, there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely a trick there. <laughs> Yes. It might be more of the, when your friends ask you out and you're like, should I go out? Do I want to go out? And then you check in and you're like, why am I, why am I feeling this resistance? And it's like, cause I really want to stay home and cuddle with my dog and rest. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like that's my answer. Or it's like, oh, it's comfortable. I don't want to make the effort. Then maybe you go out. And in play, like, what, what do you enjoy? What fills you up? But even there was somebody that she did it for work. She, um, she would really overwork and like give her all in everything. And one year she's like, I'm going to be really intentional and set boundaries. And I'm going to deliver on what they need me to. And I'm going to ask for 25% of it, be what I really love to do. And she's like, I had the most space in my calendar, but I got the best raise that I ever got and the highest rank of performance when I did less. And so I think, I think your answer is yes, pay your bills. That is not what Bree is saying, but um, it's also what beliefs do you have around that? Oh, I'm saying yes, but like, do I need to be saying yes for this? Uh-huh. Well, it goes back to your question of, you know, why and asking why five times and so on. Um, you know, like, why am I saying yes to this? Or, or why do I want to say no to this or whatever? Um, it, you know, why do I want to say no to paying bills? Well, that's not fun. Like, I <laughs> I want my money, you know, whatever. Um, but there, there's a good reason to pay my bills, too. So you kind of, like, have to be a little more aware of why you're saying yes or no to things. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I remind people... Um, quite a bit because Bree, the example you gave with, um, you know, working 70 hours a week and, you know, going up through the ranks and whatnot. Like I remind people pretty frequently, um, that if you quit today within two weeks, that company will have moved on like easily. Um, and you may get a plaque and a, a you know, a card or whatever when you quit, but you, you know, for you to sacrifice the health and relationships and whatever it is you're sacrificing for that big organization, um, you know, understand that you're not as important there as you think. (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, farther up the chain people go and more dedication they have there and whatnot. I think that's great as long as you're taking care of the wellness side and you're not sacrificing everything for that. That's the thing. You can have both. I, I believe that for sure. But if you are really dead set on just the one, because you think you're the savior for this place, um, I'll, you know, I remind as many people as possible, they will post your job position tomorrow and there have 10 interviews within three days. And then within two weeks, that person starts and you're gone, you know, 
And I, th- I hope that resonates with some people, you know. But, but Josh, I think it's so important that you talk about that, right? Because yeah. I know um, I just read like an article about the contracts that you make to your parents or yourselves as kids, right? When somebody says like, oh, don't do that. That makes mommy sad. And you're like, oh, now the kids are learning. I'm responsible for others' feelings. Uh Or they talk in the article, a lot of kids usually at seven to nine go, I can make the world a different place. And that's really like people are celebrated. But that's a heavy responsibility for a seven-year-old. And so how many of us adults think that not to be egotistical to say we're the saviors, but have that level of responsibility of we have to be the change in the world. And so then we go to self-sacrifice where we're like, we can't take care of ourselves because it's selfish. And I don't think that's, it's an either or, like you're saying, it's an and. And Oprah, one time she said she was doing a school, like, I forget where, but it it failed, right? And from that, she learned from now on, when I interview people, I ask them, how do you take care of yourself? Wow. And because if they don't know how to take care of themselves, how can they take care of others when things go wrong? For sure. Such a good question. Everybody should interview that. And I think you're right. A lot of people, um, we did a grounded and conscious with our company where it was like a heat map, whole person health. So vocational, spiritual, amazing that we're bringing that into corporate America. But what I noticed, especially during COVID was one part was drive for success. And then physical had energy management. And in most of the groups that I did, drive for success was green. Uh They're like, yep, doing good energy management red. And I'm like, that that's alarming. That means we don't know our energy tank. We don't know if we're burnout or we're going to push through that burnout. Uh And so how do we balance that of, yeah, you can drive for success, but you can't forget yourself Uh in it. Uh Absolutely. And you're going to be less functional at your job, I think, if you're operating on a lower tank of, you know, health and wellness, for sure. You know, I just interviewed a woman that she leads a company, like I was doing a diagnostic for her team, because they wanted to go from good to great. And a lot of her team was like, we're worried about her. She has such a huge length. And so she was like, why are they worried about me? Like I will cancel a meeting and go out for a hike. Like she's really good at, I have to take care of myself in order to show up. And I go, but are you showing that work? And she's like, I'm telling them to do it. I'm like, but are you showing that you're actually doing it? And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, so how do we bring that in the culture that that's part of it? So For her, she might be able to move faster because she takes that time. But for everybody else, because of the view they look at at the world, they're like, she's responsible for so many of us. She has to be stressed and be working all the hours. And she's like, but I'm not (laughs) either, right? So it's that flip of the shift of what are we projecting on others versus understanding how they might make it happen. 
And I think true managers, CEOs, HR, true um, companies should be evaluating this all the time, almost like just like they're evaluating your job performance, you know, um, because the culture gets spun the exact opposite way of what we're recommending to where it's like, go home, you know, eat a dinner and then get back on your laptop to do extra work and extra emails that never stop coming in because everyone else is doing it and you're getting text messages at nine at night and it goes on and on and on because you're all just adding to that fire, you know, Um, versus the other is like looking negatively upon that because we should be spending time on ourself healing and, you know, doing more healthy things. Um, that's just a culture shift, a perception shift, but I think it has to start from the top and mm-hmm. then work down. So if the CEO of a company is showing that they, you know, work out and they meditate and, you know, cook, you know, whole foods at home, two hours a day total for all of those practices, like, and they're talking about it and promoting it, of course, people are going to want to do that, right? Um, Because they're leading by example. But if the CEO is sending emails at 1130 at night to, you know, the person below them, that person feels obligated to follow the leader and they're Mm -hmm. all walking off the cliff health-wise, right? Um, So I, I think more mentors and leaders in that position need to be standing out. Well, and it's, Josh, I think you have such a good point. Like two of them, like we do a lot of new leader assimilations where people ask questions to get to know the leader. And the one, um, again, they were like, we feel you work like weekends and evenings. And she goes, but I choose, I don't expect that of you, but I choose that of myself. And so when we had the debrief, I said, I get what you're saying, Uh but they're also you mark if they're successful or not. Sure. So your words say this, but your actions say something different. So if you do choose that that is the best time for you to get the work done, what's the harm of not sending the email till Monday yep. at nine? I agree. And, mm-hmm. and really like getting people to be honest with their answers. Cause sometimes like if you ask me some questions that are tough, like when I hire a coach, I'm like, you got to grill me sometimes, like go where I don't want to go. Josh, you coached me. Um, but like, you got to ask the question and be like, but is that really your answer? And then if it is, but how do you want to show up for others? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's so... We do reward, right? Like I, I remember you'd see the rewards of like work-life balance. That's what I heard a lot during COVID. Take care of yourself, but don't let results drop. And people are like, yeah. what does that mean? How does, <laughs> right? Like, and it, maybe it didn't have to drop, right? But like, what does that mean? And where do we draw a line in the sand was important, but how do we reward and celebrate? So we yeah. celebrate when somebody works a lot. Sure. Sure. But we're not celebrating when they improve their health very rarely, unless they're doing some cheesy 30 day challenge, right. That everyone just starves themselves for. Um, I think that a lot of these companies are using buzzwords because they feel like they should, or they need to, um, you know, like take care of yourself and employee wellness and, you know, blah, but how are you demonstrating that you care and that that's even effective at all? 
And I think they sign on with these corporate programs and initiatives to, to check a box, but the actions are proving exactly what you said about performance. And I, I'm not against performance, obviously, like you need performance metrics, but I think it needs to be more of an equal dialogue for sure. Well, and can we be as far to say that being well actually performs better, which I believe to be true. For sure. But can we get there, right? Like we brought in developing emotional connections to a team at one point, which said to get results, you can care about the customer, right? And it's not about the money first. It's about the customer, but that's a shift in the brain for a lot of people. And so I think When HR or a leader goes to the team and says, take care of your wellness, but hit results, they say it as like opposites versus let's take care of yourself to get to the results. How does that solution look? I think people are still defining what wellness looks like, right? Because I know when I was over training, right? Like people were like, Brie, you're so in shape. I was not doing the best things for my body. I know that now. Um, No shame for whatever you start your wellness in. But sometimes, right? Like I was an over-exerciser. When I wanted to distract, I would go for a run. That looked healthy. That was inspirational for people. But I still wasn't like sitting with myself and being honest of like, what am I running from? Literally. You know, sure. let's say that a company does have a wellness program, you know, and like Josh said, a lot of times they're just trying to check a box, you know, okay, great. We got a wellness program. So we've, we've done that for our customer or for our, mm-hmm. our um, workers. Um, how can they take the next step and actually measure um, whether their wellness program is working? Um, you know, so let's say that they've, they want, they, they want to actually start valuing the the wellness of their employees how can they check month to month, year after year, and see if their their program is having an effectiveness? Like, if their if their workers are actually getting happier, healthier, whatever. Well, I think Josh, this goes back to the first conversation we ever had, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you yep, I remember six years ago. Yep. I think so. It's twofold, right? Is when I ask people, like, when I did. Co- consulting, right? Like I ask, like, what do we want to be different and what are we actually willing to commit to? So I think that's the first is like, we might say we want wellness for all, but what are we able to commit to first? And so I think we throw everything in the kitchen sink to check off the box and say, we have it. And that can overwhelm employees. So it's like, can we really be strategic of like what we're willing to commit to and put our stakes in in the ground? So it's not the flavor of the year. It's not the flavor of the week. And then are we asking the right questions? Because some of those surveys that you ask, right, um, or the focus groups that you ask, they don't ask the right question. So do you feel stressed? is that at home or is that at work, right? Like, and going a step further is what part of wellness does an employee own? Is it personal wellness or is it culture wellness? And like, I think sometimes, right? Like maybe we start at what can we change that makes the culture well, that allows people to shift their behaviors, like not having meetings after meetings or not making (laughs) 
like when COVID happened, mandatory videos, right? And that was great at first because people wanted to be committed, but women didn't want to get dressed up as much, but they felt like they had to do makeup. And so, and Zoom fatigue was real. So I think it's, do we have to overcomplicate it and really say, what does wellness mean for our culture? And then what can we like really put our focus on? I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about one of my all-time favorite supplements, collagen protein. I've been taking collagen for over 15 years and I consider it a staple in my daily health routine. Collagen is the primary building block of connective tissues, such as hair, skin, and nails, as well as ligaments, tendons, cartilage, and bone. If we don't get enough collagen, then these tissues age prematurely, leading to wrinkled skin, thinning hair, and painful joints. That's why I take collagen every day. It keeps my hair, skin, and nails healthy and my joints strong and pain-free. The brand I use is Native Path. I choose Native Path because their collagen is the highest quality available. It's organic, it comes from grass-fed cows, it includes both type 1 and type 2 collagen peptides, and it's hydrolyzed, which is critical for better absorption. Native Path even makes collagen coffee creamers. I personally use the vanilla creamer, and it's absolutely delicious. I highly recommend adding collagen to your health routine. If you're interested, go to nativepath.com and use the coupon code AISA15 to get a 15% discount on your order. Yeah, and I and I think the, you know, I know the participation rates with corporate wellness, um, it just as averages is very low Mm -hmm. and it's even lower for um, positive outcomes. Like the the current war, I'm not speaking for all companies or programs by any means, but as a, as a whole, it's ineffective. And um, so that's why I think like what Andy said, like, how do we implement? And like you said, get clear on what we want to actually go after. Uh, But then how are we actually seeing other than like body weight or, you know, the obvious, like, how are we actually seeing it work? That's what and, I was wondering and, because it seems know? like wellness is hard to define for one thing, but then also yeah. hard to measure. I mean, there's so many different aspects of it. So if you're trying to improve corporate wellness at your company, how do you know if you're succeeding in that? Um, that's, that's a really difficult that's a, that's a tough challenge. Yeah. I don't have the answer. Like I, yeah. I honestly, I, I'm so like Brie, cause when we talked like six years ago with Sharon and Jim there on that call, after that call, I actually like sort of just tapped out mentally. Cause I didn't know, like, I don't know this field. I don't know yeah. how or where to start because let's say you've got 300 people in your organization um, and 80% of them are running ragged. They've got kids, they've got stress, they've got financial issues. They've got maybe a poor relationship at home. They've got, you know, debt. Like, where do you start with a group of a hundred people? Unless you're doing one-on-one individual coaching, which that I think could be very effective, but how do you have one-on-one coaching for a hundred people? You know, for sure. And talk about a company that has 40,000 people or 70 exactly. people. Yeah. And That's where I go to my question of like, my hypothesis is it's so much behavior change, right? Like in the coach training I went through, do people have the desire, the willingness, the belief, the commitment? A company can't project that on an employee, right? Like watch what's happening in the world. So I would say it's wonderful to offer all of those benefits and recognize each person might do it differently. Like when I worked for a company, we had wellness coaching, but I already had my program. I know what wellness means to me, but I could get $500. So that was an incentive. I would talk to somebody five times a year to get $500. 
but a lot of people didn't use it. Right. So I think it's being really intentional and knowing you can't be the savior as a company for all, but where the responsibility lies is the wellness of the culture. Oh so yeah. See, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Before you go to my personal life of being like, like I had somebody that she got COVID early on in the pandemic. And I was like, why are you working? And she's like, I will have a mental breakdown if I take off. She's like, I can't use the time off because I will have a mental breakdown coming back to the work I missed. That's what I think a company can own. Not necessarily telling somebody to drink the water, eat. Okay. Yeah. So you're skinning that cat from, yeah, a different angle. So you're saying the environment and the culture they build as in where they work is just is healthy. And then how that affects everyone is different. Let that filter down. And let that resonate for them, however it does within their own life and their values. Like I, yeah, I like that. That's actually, that's a spin I never thought of versus like, you know, program a, and everyone follows this and this is the metric of the result. Like instead you're just building a healthy place to work and, you know, we're not, um, you know, pushing like that one girl said, she's, you know, get, you know, sick with all the emails to come back to and whatnot. Maybe she shouldn't come back to all those emails. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe there's just a process in place to filter that. I like that. A different environment. Yeah. And then what you can do is um, we did it with development, right? Because a lot of managers felt responsibility for the development of their people. And it's like, well, no, let's define what development means. It doesn't have to be the next career. It could be in your current role. And what is the manager's role to own? What's the company's role to own? And what's your role to own? And are we clear? Because I think that's what happens in life, right? We we like get really gray and insert like I cross your boundaries, Josh. And I'm like, Josh, this is what you need to do. And you're like, back up. <laughs> like, I want to do over here. And so it's really empowering people to say, Josh, you know what you want. Let's create the space for you to figure that out. Uh-huh. Out of curiosity, um, do you have any specific uh, tools that you really like to use with people that you found to be uh, more effective than others? You know, I don't know whether it's uh, journaling or questionnaires or certain exercises or or what that you do with some of your you know, yeah. clients that you work with, but what's been really effective for people to help them through all this and make positive change? I use so many tools. It's so hard because it's so different. Individual. Even if I do like, um, even though I see how everything's connected, I treat everybody so individual and I let them create what's the right next step. But what, um, what I've really seen and I've dove into is inner, inner child, right. Inner child work where we do some work where if you're not comfortable with meditation, you find out like we're in a collective trauma right now. We're all responding. And then we might have individual, I hit my garage door. Like that was a trauma response. Did it wasn't a tiger, but did I release the stress that that occurred? And a lot of us carry all of that stress, but how we respond might be like our child, right? So do we know when, like, you know, when you're like, why did I show up that way? 
And um, so a lot of my corporate clients, I started just after I played with it being like, do you want to look at like where that comes from? And like, it would be really easy to pick up. Oh, that came up from when I played basketball and my coach told me not to hog the ball. So anytime I feel this in corporate America, I shut down. So one, it's getting them to connect into how they're responding, how they're showing up, how they feel. That can be journaling. A couple of others that I like are um, Bradley, I don't have the book out here right now, but Bradley Jensen, Trapped Emotions. So just in coaching sessions, asking them like, is there a trapped emotion that needs to be released? And it's so amazing that if you ask that question for a lot of people, it's like sadness. And it's like, how old is the sadness? And it's like, seven years old. And you're like, okay, like anything we need to do. And it just releases. And they're like, oh, I don't feel that pain over here. Right. So it's, it's challenging people's perspective of like the physical pain that we have might be connected to emotional stressors that happen to us throughout all of the life. So long-winded answer to say, there's so many tools I use. Um, but I think it's, I try, I guess the biggest tool I play with my um, clients, one of my coworkers who's so opposite from me, he reached out and he goes, Brie, you're the most compassionate coach I know. I have a friend. And I was like, I am honored that you, because like we are opposite personalities. So um, I would say my compassion of like, I accept everybody where they're at. There's no judgment, like the desire to do something different and create a space to say like, you can have the life you want, like, let's play, let's figure it out. So I make my coaching really fun. Like life feels really heavy to a lot of people and that's not a belief I hold. So I'm like, let's play, let's have fun. And so that's where I think the tools, like, I don't know what they're going to (laughs) be. But that's a, that's a tool in and of itself though. Like, because you are presenting to the person as someone easy to talk to, to open up to, to be free and honest. That is so rare though, because of judgment and stigmas and right. Politically correct. Right. But you're giving them that opportunity to just open up. And I don't think a lot of people have that. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, you mentioned the childhood piece with like releasing emotions and whatnot. Um, a common theme I've seen over the years is someone grew up, um, um, with a lower income, their parents had low income and then they get to be successful and make a lot of money. And they reach a point where they don't need more, but they keep striving for more because they knew what it was like to be poor and they're never going back, even though they never really realistically could, but they can't release that. And, and so the question I guess to you is how effective is it actually to release trapped childhood or any age group emotions? Like, do you, is it like 50, 50, is it 90, 10 or 10, 90? Like, does that work? (laughs) Uh, So it's worked for me personally. So I can speak for myself there. I think, um, 
that's a newer space that I've played in the last two years. So I would still say I'm the experimenter in it. And I have a lot of clients that are like, yes, this feels right to do. I believe it to work. Um, so Reiki, the, the place that I've been studying the most, right, is about releasing blocks. So we are born perfect, right? Like different from different beliefs, but then life happens, stress, fear, blocks happen in our energetic fields. And Reiki is like a thing to release it, those blocks. But the thing that I love that my teacher told me is you might leave at a higher vibration, right? Like you're like, oh, I feel really good. I don't have the fears. I might feel peace. I don't know what peace feels like, but the life is still the same. You still have the bills. You still have all of that. You now have a choice to respond differently. Your perception, your perception changes, right? Yeah. And I think Josh, it just goes back to life isn't an end game. It's a journey. So allow yourself to stumble and go, yeah, I see this new perspective. I want to do it. But if I have a parent child dynamic, right. As an adult and that conversation still happens, it still might trigger me. That just means I get to dive deeper into it, but I can show up and see how I respond. So I see it work. Um, it's just our belief. Does it work? And how do we want to show up after it too? And, you know, yeah, I agree completely. You know, I know nothing about Reiki, but you know, my, the way that I'm viewing it on my end is like, what you're saying is releasing limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So many people live with these limiting beliefs and then they identify with it and then it's stuck. But that is like, that can be really bad uh, um, for all areas of your life because then you're orchestrating around that belief. And like, I'm only worth so much, or I can only get so fit, or I can only, you know, only, 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 and it's all based on past events. And me personally, I've worked through a lot of them through the years, um, through different coaches and just me being aware and reading and podcasts. Um, But when you can get through a limiting belief, man, your world, and it's funny because you said the world doesn't change. You're right. It doesn't change, but your perception changed. So you feel as though it all changed, it changed, right? But I would, for listeners, you know, if there's any way, and this could definitely come through working with you, which I highly recommend everyone listening to this reach out, but um, working through these limiting beliefs and emotional blocks, um, even just one could transform you. Well, even the... One of, there was, I think it was Cal C said, said it. He's like, when you shift your purpose is you, who you show up, like where you show up, you're your purpose. It doesn't matter what you do. Like, that's just a do part of it. But even yesterday, right? Like I was running late, went on a road, traffic was happening. They were doing construction. And this poor guy, I felt the energy of just like, embarrassment, right? Like he's holding the stop sign and like, I'm just waving to him. Like, I'm like, I'm here. It's fine. I'll get where I need to go. And like (laughs) talking and you can tell he's trying to move it up and he comes up to my car and he's like, I'm sorry, it's going to be five to 10 minutes. They just started work. And I said, it's okay. Like 
I can't do anything. You can't do anything. Sure. I'm like, you have a hard job. Thank you for doing what you do. And I'm like, I carry these year awesome cards because my friend that passed away used to do it. And I was like, here. And he's like, he smiled so big, right? Oh. It was just a shift. Nothing else changed. And he goes, thank you so much. I am going to hang this on my mantle. And he went back and it wasn't even five minutes, but then he did. And he waved and he was in a better state. And I'm like, God put me right there to look at him and be like, buddy, not your fault. Like, thank you for working your job. And what an important thing to remember that the tiniest little things like that can make the biggest differences. I mean, that could change the whole guy's day. And it probably did, you know, to where he has a great day instead of a stressed out, feeling terrible day because he's blocking traffic or whatever there, you know? Exactly. And my belief system, right? Have I had a, another belief system of like, this is happening to me. It's getting in the way. This yep. is a per- like not looking at him like a person doing his job. So I think Josh, you're right. Like just looking at your belief system, giving yourself that grace to say, you can choose to keep it or not. And even if you Even if you look at it and you're like, it's a terrible belief system. Why did I ever believe that? It served you. And you can honor that. It served you until it didn't. And Absolutely. Yeah, it got you to where you are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think giving yourself permission to change and or to pivot. That's hard too. You know, you had to do it just a few weeks ago, you know, with your job, you know, like that is hard. And I think a lot of people and myself included different stages, like it's, oh, it's easier just to stay right. Or to just be with what is versus saying, I deserve more. I truly want this and giving yourself permission to start over or to pivot. That's hard. For sure. That's hard. And Josh, like you've supported me at different points through my journey to pivot. And I just want to say, even I remember like, if this helps anybody, right. Um, in August, I got the, like, just the inner knowing uh, it's time to leave. And I'm like, how about not like my (laughs) mind was like, maybe 2022, but like, it's pretty good. I like the work I do. I love the people I work with. It's comfortable enough. And it's like the message back was like, think what you want, but you're quitting on October 18th. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. And then all of these things just kind of lined up and I'm like, oh, I am. And the difference that I did, and I think is important, right? Is Normally we look out for advice. Josh, what should I do? Andy, what should I do? Ricky, what should I do? And everybody tells you from their perspective, maybe fear, maybe right, maybe serving, all positive intention, but like it might stop you from being where you're supposed to be. So this was different. I didn't reach out to anybody. Uh And when I reached out, it was, I'm resigning and this is what I'm going to do. And everybody's response was like, I am so happy for you. And (laughs) people aren't scared. Like, but I think had I asked, what do you think I should have done? It would have been a very different answer. It would have been a protective answer. And so it was a huge aha of, 
do you spend enough time? Do you trust yourself enough? I think that's another big lesson that I've seen and supported with people. How do you trust yourself again to make those decisions mm-hmm. and not outsource it to everybody else? And I went through that same journey and I'm glad I didn't listen to other people's opinions, but, you know, outside of college, I worked for an insurance company, I almost three years. And I knew about halfway through that process that this was not for me, (laughs) uh, the cubicle, you know, the standard, you know, employment status type stuff. And, um, you know, so I told myself and I committed that I'm going to be done at this point and move on. And everyone was giving me just what you said, the opinion of like fear and like, what are you going to do with the benefits and you're working your way up the chain and imagine where you could be in 10 years, you know, and I went against all of that. (laughs) I'm telling you like a hundred percent of people with the exception, probably of my sister, Jessica. Um, But everyone was like, you're nuts. And, but if I had listened to that, and continued to listen to everyone else's opinion versus the inner gut and that feeling, I'd still be there for sure. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't be 12 years into being an entrepreneur and running our gym and having great staff and a good life. (laughs) An amazing podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Cool. Well, Andy, anything else for Bree? And if not, we're uh, wrap up. We're a little over an hour. This well, is, maybe, uh, and this is this is gonna be a tough question or to answer because it is so individual. Like Bria said so many times, but do you have any, like, um, I don't know, maybe top three or five tips for people as far as how to improve their wellness? Like, what are the areas you think people most need to work on? At least among the clients that you've seen, what are the common areas that they need to work on or might yeah. want to try some experimenting with a few new things in their life or lifestyle? Like, what what's the what are some tips? I wish I had this question ahead of time. No, you're going to <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't care. Um, I joke. Um, <laughs> I think the tip is to recognize it's individual. And yeah. also, I think a lot of people believe that wellness needs to be hard and it doesn't have to be hard. Like, I don't yeah. believe that to be true. So like just allowing, like, what if you believe that wellness could be easy and what might that look like? Um I think defining what wellness means to them, because it's all of your life and then picking small things to do. So breathing, Um, I had another coach that was like, I have a client that says she can't breathe. And I'm like, oh, that belief of like not being able to breathe. Like I remember when I breathed in my chest and not full belly breath. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So really just are you breathing through the day? Are you drinking water? Are you scheduling meetings 55 minutes instead of hour to hour? So like making small promises to yourself that you can keep so that you build that trust with yourself again. And then I think have fun with wellness. That's what I started to do is don't take yourself too serious. Like do the activities that like make you laugh or smile or connect mm-hmm. you with other people. Like I will choose a walk now with any other human over going to work out because I get so many pieces of wellness. Wow, that is a great, that is a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, that is, uh, well, Brian, how can people like work with you or, you know, connect with you? Um, I know quite a few people this will hit. So yeah, so go ahead, give your contact info or however you want people to get in touch with you. 
Oh, that's hard right now, guys, because I'm still in a little bit of a retirement, but I am accepting clients. My email is probably the best way to get to me. Um, Josh, maybe you could put it in the notes because sure. my last name is terribly long. So <laughs> it's AugustinelliBrian at gmail.com. Nobody will spell that correctly. And if you do, I'll give you a Starbucks gift card. So the challenge is... <laughs> um, but do you want me to spell it or is it okay? If it's no, we can put it in all the notes. And when I post it on yeah. Facebook and Instagram, um, I'll, I'll spell it out right there for them. So they yeah, can we'll have the it. link for them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yeah, if that's, um, if that's the way, you know, if you're listening and anything we said, you know, especially this was a great time to have this talk with new mm-hmm. year's. Um, and I want so many people to look beyond just, just the gym setting for wellness. Like there's so many ways you can define that. And I think talking to you could help bring that out in a lot of people. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you both. This was fun. Yeah. We'll do this again, Brianne. Okay. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. I just want to interrupt this amazing podcast with a brief message about one of our sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic in Oneida, New York. I found Dr. P eight years ago due to my continual discomfort and pain in my back. And as an active athlete and someone who likes to play hard, my sessions at the gym started to regress. My sleep went downhill. After a comprehensive evaluation by Dr. Pete's team, I was given a detailed treatment plan. After three months of care, my body felt amazing. I have used Dr. Pete as my personal chiropractor for the last eight years and attribute much of my physical abilities and overall health to his approach with chiropractic care. The good news is Lombardi Chiropractic is offering a 50% discount on the initial exam and x-rays to all new members that use the coupon code A is A. So stop trying to self-diagnose and save yourself time and money by visiting LombardiChiropractic.com and schedule your initial consultation today.